Hi, everybody. I have some exciting news. I am launching a Substack. I know. I keep telling you how I'm not a writer, and I'm still not a writer, but I am going to be writing about reading over on Substack. The Substack is called Unstacked, and you can find it at tracythomas.substack.com. There will be free options every Friday. There'll be a bunch of weekly roundups, announcements, all the shit I'm into. And then if you want to upgrade yourself to the paid subscription, I'm going to have author interviews, bonus episodes, anticipated reads, book pairings, community chats, all sorts of stuff. So, If that sounds like something you'd be into, go to tracythomas.substack.com and join Unstacked. And of course, I've got a special offer for you. If you go to tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10, you get 10% off your first year membership of Unstacked. You have from now until April 4th to redeem. Again, that's tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10 for 10% off Unstacked. Okay, that's enough. Let's listen to this episode. Welcome to another episode of The Short Stacks. Shorter conversations with authors about their books and their writing styles. These episodes are all completely spoiler-free. I am your host, Tracy Thomas, and today our guest is children's book author, Jesse Bird. Before we dive into the episode, I'm reminding you all about Patreon. That's a website where you contribute to the work we're doing on the show. Patreon allows for us to launch new content like the Short Stacks, and I'm forever grateful to all of you who have contributed to allow this show to exist. The fun thing about Patreon is that you also get perks for yourself. You can participate in our virtual book club, submit questions for our guests, get shout outs on the show, and more. If you're interested in being a part of the Stacks Pack community, go to patreon.com slash the Stacks. Please do me a huge favor and rate and review this podcast. We've started to have a lot of wins around here, and the more people we can get the word out to, the more cool, diverse, interesting guests I can book on the show. If you would take just a few minutes wherever you're listening, especially on iTunes, and write a short review, it's a major selling point to pitch as I look for new guests for 2019. Okay, now it's time for the Short Stacks. Our guest today is Jesse Bird. Jesse is a children's and middle grade author. His work focuses on telling fun and creative stories while centering the voices of children of color. Jesse also runs his own publishing group called Jesse B. Creative. Today we're talking about his newest release, Real Jungle Tales. This is a spoiler-free zone, so listen and enjoy. All right, everybody, we are here today with the Stacks mini episode with our guest, Jesse Bird. Jesse is an award-winning children's and middle grade author. He's a native of California and currently is living in Dubai. Jesse is the author of King Penguin and Sunny Days, and his most recent book is Real Jungle Tales. Jesse, welcome to the Stacks. Thank you so much for having me, Tracy. I have to say this just right now off the bat because I can't keep a secret, but Jesse and I actually know each other from when we were little babies, basically. (laughs) We were in high school together um, at Bishop O'Dowd in Oakland, California, Go Dragons, and then we like lost touch, and then books brought us back together. Isn't that lovely? (laughs) I know. See, books are so magical, like spoken like real nerds, but I have to be honest, you weren't really a nerd in high school. I was an undercover nerd. It was it was weird. It took me a while to kind of um, accept the fact that I was a full blown nerd in an athlete's body. Right, because you're like, if you had to describe your body, you might say that you were 
Six foot eight, um, <laughs> 245. I was looking for tall, but yeah. sure. <laughs> but you were a basketball player. Yep, in high school and college. And were you always a reader? I was always a reader. My mom made me read 30 minutes a day, every day, um, pretty much most of my life. So she was very adamant about literature. That's so good. And your mom is a writer also. She is. Um, ever since I was 11, which was... That's 20 years ago. Don't tell anybody. Okay, ever well, since, this is totally a private <laughs> podcast. No one will hear this. Just between us. Ever since I was 11, yeah, she started her writing career. And, um, yeah, she's 20-plus books deep. Wow. Um, she's loving it, ready to transition into podcasting, TV shows. Oh. Yeah, tell she, us your mom's name so if people want to check out her books. Yes, yes. Mary B. Morrison. She also writes under that um, the pen name Honeybee. Okay. We'll link to that in the show notes and everything else we talk about today. Um, all right. We're just going to dive right in. In 30 seconds or less, tell me about Real Jungle Tales. So Real Jungle Tales to me is a celebration of ingenuity. You have Z, who is a young Native American girl. She gets punished on Halloween and can't go trick-or-treating. So because she broke the TV, I'll give that spoiler alert away. <laughs> she broke the TV again, and so she gets punished. So she can't go trick-or-treating with her friends. So the next day when everybody's bringing their candy to school and they're eating it and they're trading it and they're talking about how much fun they had, she feels left out. So she comes up with a plan, and I won't give that spoiler away, to essentially get some candy from her classmates. Very good. I didn't time you, but I might have to start timing people. We'll see how this goes. Um, so Z is a Native American girl. I, I do want to ask about that. You are a black man. Mm -hmm. How do you feel? How did you decide? How did you discover that you could write as like a young woman or a little girl, really? Well, what's what's interesting is I'm a firm believer that ideas pick people. So when when these concepts sort of arise, I, I really just feel like my job is to bring them to their their fullest, their truest form. So as they come, I try to present them as they come. I, I really don't try to put myself in the middle of it. Or, or interfere with what they're supposed to be. You know, my, my job is just to foster their development, their true development. How did the story, how did this story come to you? Um, it was a story at first, uh, a, just about a little girl getting lost in the jungle. And then it spiraled into a little girl saying she got lost in the jungle, but it wasn't quite true. She was telling the story to impress her classmates. Kind of like all this scary stuff happened to me and it's crazy out there. And um, then it got more context when the theme of Halloween started jumping into my mind. Mm -hmm. And um, from there, it, it took on more of a form in terms of now it's not just a story that they're telling. It's a story within a story, which is really what Real Jungle Tales is. It's really quite two stories wrapped in one. And you write this book in verse. I do. I do. Yes. Yes. What's that like? Is that hard? Does it make it a lot harder? It, it does. I mean... It, most publishers and agents will tell you today they don't even prefer books from children's book authors in verse because it's hard enough to tell a great story succinctly, impactfully, if you're doing it just in plain English. But like if you really want to make the words rhyme, now you're even more limited. So, um, yeah, it was a wonderful challenge. I'm mm -hmm. really looking forward to it. And because it's a series, I would love to work with, um, you know, I have friends who are songwriters and musical artists. I would love to get their, their input on how to structure this story in verse even better and like yeah. feature them as like you know guest helpers or guest artists yeah that's so cool i i feel like it must be a challenge also for children to read in verse mm -hmm. 
I mean, it might help and be hard for them. Like if you're learning to read and you're using this book, like you might know the last word rhymes with the last word from the sentence before, but like you might be, you know, I still get tripped up reading in verse. So I have to imagine it's probably like a fun challenge for kids when they get it. They're like, yeah, zebras. Why did I pick zebras? I don't know. doesn't rhyme with anything. Does zebras rhyme with anything? Um, no. no, I don't think it was ever the last word in the line. It in the was book. not because yeah. I would remember if zebras rhyme with something because it does it. Uh, <laughs> you also have an illustrator on this book. I want to make sure I mention her name. Um, or why don't you mention her name? Yeah, Andressa Meisner. Um, she's out of Brazil. She's super talented. She's done a lot of a lot of work with like Chevron and other major corporations. I was really, really fortunate and blessed to partner with her on this project. She's such a professional and such an amazing artist. I mean, if you could see some of the slides that didn't get into the book, mm. I mean, it it's amazing. It's amazing. How much of what she does do you influence and how much of what you do does she influence? Like how much say in the story does she have and how much say in the drawings do you have? That's a great question. So with, with picture books, pretty much because I'm doing the, the script and the project management mm -hmm. and the art direction, um, I pretty much have to build out this blueprint for the illustrator to see clearly what's happening in each scene. Okay. So I need to paint a picture of um, who's in the scene, where is it set, what mood are we trying to convey, um, give suggestions on which angle to capture the scene from. Are we overhead? Are we below? You know, how are we projecting the character? So for me, I like to work in um, spreadsheets. Okay. So basically, I grid it all out and try to make it as succinct as possible for the illustrator to know exactly what it is they're going after. And then from there, we can have our back and forth, you know. Okay. Maybe I didn't present it quite right, or, you know, maybe the interpretation was a little bit different than what we were expecting. And then we have a much more collaborative process. But I have to sort of give them something to go off of. Right. And you have your own publishing house. Yep. Is that what you call it, a publishing house? Oh, yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah. Jesse B. Creative, yep. which we'll link to in the show notes, obviously. Um, so you're doing even more work for what happens with this book. So like, is that why you have even more oversight or would that spreadsheet kind of thing always happen or you don't know? Cause you've always been your own publisher. That's an excellent <laughs> question. That's an excellent question. Um, so yeah, one of the benefits of having a mom who's, who's worked in, in literature for over 20 years and mind you, um, she's in a completely different genre. She caters to adults and services adult literature, but um, I, I have gotten to see firsthand both sides of the business and get a firsthand understanding. Uh, in terms of picture books, now when you pitch a picture book script to a publisher, just a bit of information for anybody who's interested in writing children's books, um, they basically buy the rights to license the script. You forever own the copyrights, but they buy the rights to license the script. And from there, they may consult you on things like cover design, illustration style, but in most cases, they likely will not because they feel like they do this for a living. They I have see. their in-house people. They'll take it from here. Thank you. Um, so with me, especially trying to cater to diversity in children's literature, I knew for a number of reasons that I, I had to make sure that these ideas were seen through and treated with the proper respect, treated with the pro like reverence. Mm -hmm. And so um, I knew that there was really only one way to do it. And that's just to make sure that I handle it with care myself. That's awesome. I love that. Here's an interesting question for you. You mentioned that you, you know, you might have to like scrap things or like scrap, like you might decide that you didn't explain it right or something. Did you ever have different titles for this book? 
Yeah, um, not too far off. The <laughs> The choice was between real Jungle Tales and just Jungle Tales. And oh. I labored over that for at least two months. What tipped you from real to no or from no real to real? And to be quite honest, I'm still not 100 percent confident I made the right choice. Um, the reason why I went with real is because it's sort of a satire on what it is. OK, so when you read the book, you realize that there's a lot of hyperbole. Mm-hmm. Um, Z is having a lot of fun with her stories. She's very inventive and creative. Mm-hmm. So, you know, really is sort of just a play on the fact that it really is imaginary Got and it. fiction. I think you made the right choice. You think so? I think Jungle I Tales that. isn't enough. Okay. I think real gives it a little pizzazz. I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you. I need um, it's true. No, it's true. I think it's good. Um, also, the book is just so beautiful. Like, the, it, it, the purple, when you see it, when it comes, it's just, like, really nice to look at. So, Thank you for making a beautiful book. And also thanks to your illustrator. But, you know, you guys work together, so you both get credit. Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should be at least simple. That's why for the last three plus years, I have been drinking AG1 every day, no exceptions. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel nourished and strong enough to tackle whatever else might come my way. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and a lot more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. The nutritional insurance that AG1 provides has been vital to keeping me productive and focused. It helps me cover my bases in just about the time it takes to fill a glass of water, scoop in one scoop of AG1, and then drink it. So I don't know, 75 seconds? With the perfect mix of vitamins, probiotics, and nutrients from Whole Foods, I'm not stuck trying to assemble it all by myself, which would have considerably worse results. AG1 saves me all the time and hassle, and it has made such a difference in my overall mood and especially my gut health, among many other things. But don't take my word for it. Go ahead and try AG1. Let me know what you think. Whether you notice you're needing more nutrient support than you're used to, or you just need an edge for a tough workout, AG1 can be the ticket. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1, and that's why I've partnered with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash the stacks. That's drinkag1.com slash the stacks. Check it out. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, we're going to get into about how and where and why you write. So tell me a little bit about where you write your books physically. Like, where are you? Are you home, coffee shop, on vacation, at a beach? 
So I'm definitely uh, a resident of my local coffee shop. Okay. They they know me by name. They know my order before I come <laughs> in. When I'm at home, I get so distracted mm. that I can't really work productively because there's always things you need to do, you know, right. wash the dishes, you know, wash the clothes, things like that. But when I'm at a coffee shop, I can just zone out and focus. I got my caffeine and I'm going. And because you're writing like short not always short, but more um, like simple sentences, which I think is way harder to do than complex sentences. How much are you laboring on like word choice? That's a great question. Because there isn't a lot of room for error, most picture books hang around 500 words. Mm -hmm. If that, you really have to be precise. You really have to be intentional with your wording. And you have to realize that your audience may not be exposed to, you know, all of the vocabulary you are as an adult. So you have to convey concepts impactfully, but you need to do them within a certain confines of of your vocabulary. So it's an awesome challenge. I mean, I I love it. People who who have done it and really tried to do it will concede that it is not, it's not easy. Right. It's it's not straightforward. It is a journey. It seems so easy, but I feel like greatest lesson in life is anything that seems easy is really hard yeah. you know like you see someone walk on those like tightrope things and you're like i could walk on that tightrope thing and then the second you try you know what i'm talking about the things that are like between the trees you're like oh, oh yeah. i could do that <laughs> and then you like try to get up and you fall off or like i don't know making a good smoothie like seems so easy and then you go home and you're like this is the worst smoothie ever it tastes like <laughs> spinach um so i def i know that writing these simple because it's specificity mm-hmm. and simplicity, mm-hmm. and that's hard. It is in it everything. It is, but yeah. also with all the words that you have as an adult, it's interesting to think about you thinking, "Will my reader have these words?" Because mm-hmm. this book is aimed at what age range? Four to eight. So four both eight. of my picture books, my illustrated picture books, are aimed at ages four to eight. Okay. Yeah. And Sunny Days also has a female lead. Yeah, yeah. Martine. Martine's a ton of fun. Yeah. I like her a lot. And your other book, King Penguin, has a penguin lead. Has a penguin lead, which is my favorite animal. Which and is in the end of the book. Which is in the end of the of book. Of Real Jungle Tales. Yeah. He mentions that, and I really like that part. Read the last page. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you like to write at your coffee shop. Mm-hmm. And what about, do you eat anything or drink anything, like, specifically? Snacks? So, I usually fast until about noon. Okay. Um read a book and it'll come to me later um jesse it's there it's the, the husband of the the lady who started Spanx. okay um it's his book it's it's his book about living with a seal and having a navy seal come into his house and basically break up his his comfortable routine okay and one of the things that they were saying is that um you know most of our bodily function and energy goes to digestion mm-hmm. so if you can manage to be lean up until around noon one o'clock then you're really giving most of that energy back into other functions for your body. And so for me, because coffee is so filling for me, Mm -hmm. I just have an Americano straight, no sugar, because sugar makes me tank. Mm -hmm. And um, that'll usually get me from 7 a.m. to about noon. And then I'll try to have something light and and energizing. Do you write after you eat, or do you only write in the mornings? Um, No. So what I usually do is I write for about five hours in the morning. And then I'll take a break for lunch and try to get some exercise in just to get the blood going, stop okay. sitting for a while. And then I'll come back and try to do another four or five hours in there. Wow. Um, yeah. It's a lot of writing. 
Yeah, I mean, well, it's not all writing because it's project management sure. as well because it's, um, you know, I'm looking at portfolios of illustrators all the time. Got it. Which I love doing. But um, I'm always trying to match the right illustrator with the right story. Right. So, um, yeah, it's a lot of A lot of other things also. Yeah. Do you feel like you focus on writing more in the morning when you are fasting or oh. you haven't really noticed the difference? It really just depends on what's what's important and urgent for the day. Got it. I try to prioritize it that way. Got it. Um, were there any things that you were reading or listening to or watching while you wrote this book that maybe like inspired or influenced you? That's a great question. And for, for real jungle tales, I can't pick out anything specific. I know I've been chipping away at dark money for a while. Um, I think Jane Meyer is the author, but that's been a fascinating book. And that even what's fascinating is that most of the time, a lot of really adult and mature concepts are the things that will inspire me to write mm -hmm. children's books. Nice. Um, like I was reading Dark Money and a concept about global warming came up and how people basically, how some sites basically work to hide, you know, what's happening with global warming and the data and the statistics. And it spurned this entire concept mm. for a children's book that I'm really excited to get to. Cool. Really excited to get to. Well, that was one of my upcoming questions is what's next? Oh. But is that is that the next children's book you're working on? That won't be the next release. No. So the next release is is Dreamcatcher. Okay. And this is a Thai female protagonist. Okay. And my illustrator is Thai as well. He's from Thailand. That's dope. And he is awesome. He's amazing. He's closer to a comic book artist, but he has so much personality and humor okay. in his illustration that I sought him out fiercely. Cool. And I'm so glad that we're partnering. And um, the, the 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 decks look really cool. The illustrations look really cool. It's essentially about the concept of when you fall asleep, your dream catcher comes into your world, and their job is to keep your fears out of your dreams. Great. So every time you fall asleep and you had a good night's sleep, you didn't have a bad dream, it's because your dream catcher did their job effectively. Got it. And it's this it's this little tiny tiny human that pops up okay, I was gonna ask. and yeah <laughs> is it, it a person up. or is it like the dream catchers like from native american culture no it's a person it's, it's a little person but he but the nets that he throws around to okay. catch your fears are inspired by the dream Got catcher it. nets from native american cool. culture so um so yeah it's it's a book about humility um it's it's a book about uh well really mainly it's a book about humility yeah. and when is this book coming out so that won't be coming out in the tail end of 2019. Okay. So we got a Q4 little time. of 2019. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. How important is it for you to include uh, characters of color in your books? Oh, it's extremely important. It's extremely important. I just read a statistic that, I mean, summed up sort of what anybody close to the industry who hasn't paying attention have already realized, which is that, you know, 11% of the children's books in the last 23 years only 11% have been uh, have had multicultural content. So that doesn't even mean that the lead mm -hmm. was was um of a certain ethnicity. It just means the author and or some of the characters were wow. of a certain minority group. And so it's a supremely underserved market. Sure. And and you know, we've sort of seen with the sort of books that have been published over the last two decades plus how the the publishers and the industry is trending. Mm -hmm. You know, now I think diversity and inclusion is becoming more of a hot button thing. Sure. And I think that opens the door for a lot of awesome talent to come through the door. But my fear is that once that's no longer a trending topic, mm -hmm. once 
you know, the conversation moves to something, something else, else of focus, the, the primary conversation. There will always be people who are champions mm-hmm. in these causes. But once the primary conversation moves on, then how do we keep that that fire healthy? How do we keep that content and that service alive? So for me, it's really important to make sure that we do this. Well, I can speak for my, my nieces. Mm-hmm. They thank you very much because they're two little black girls and they like books of color and I'm very excited to give them real jungle tales. <laughs> do you think, do you have you read this, you go places and read the book mm-hmm. to kids. Have you noticed that children of color respond in a certain way to seeing reflections of themselves, even if they aren't necessarily Native American or Thai or whatever it is, but just like seeing brown children, have you noticed that there's a response to that? Oh, 100%. I mean, just just seeing someone of, of their culture, of their skin tone as an example. I think visual examples are really, really important. You know, I think it's, it's sort of one thing to have a, a, a very intangible idea that something is possible. Mm-hmm. It's another thing entirely to see someone doing something and know that that's an option for you. You don't have to want it. You don't have to do it. But you have seen it done, right. and now you know it's real. Like it actually exists in the world. Actually exists in the they, world. You know, they say representation matters. Representation <laughs> matters. Visuals matter. Right, you know? seeing it and yeah. knowing that it's possible. Knowing it's and possible. And that there's a route for you to get there if that's the way you want to go. Exactly. I love it. Exactly. I love it. Um, who's the first person you let read this book, the uh, Real Jungle Tales? Mm, the first person... Probably my wife. You know, I trust her opinion dearly. So, you know, whenever I have something that's near completion, you know, I know I can give it to her for honest feedback. You know, that's also handled with a certain amount of care. Mm-hmm. But, um, but you know, she'll give it to me straight about what she likes and what she doesn't like. And, you know, she does product development for cosmetics. So, you know, she's working with color and, and oh, packaging right. and design. You know, those are all, you know, around her in her workplace. So. Mm-hmm. You know, she has a really good eye for things, and I, and I trust her. So, yeah, I, she's the first person who read this. I love it. And what do you did you do, I guess, for this book or any of your other books on publication day? Mm, on publication day, um, we did a couple of different social campaigns, uh, paid, paid social campaigns, obviously, uh, targeted marketing newsletter blasts. No, like, no, I mean you to like celebrate. Oh, like, what did you celebrate. do? Oh, I'm ter- I am terrible. <laughs> You're like businessman right now. Like, yeah. what did you do? Did you pop a bottle of champagne? Did you go to a fancy dinner? That's a that's a great question. You I don't am even remember. Terrible at celebrating. Like, I don't think <laughs> I've celebrated a single, except for Kingpin when we did something for that, because it was the first book. But ever since then, you know, it's something I kind of beat myself up on a little bit because I need to enjoy these moments a little bit more yeah. and appreciate how much it took to get this thing done, but there's always so much more that needs to be done sure. that I rarely ever carve out space to say, Hey, you know, it's just cool that this came to life. Right. It's such a yeah. cool thing. You should yeah. at least like treat yourself to a nap or something, right. something that go. you don't normally do. I'm Buy yourself a pair of shoes. I don't know, whatever you're into celebrate your wins. Um, I'm a big champion of celebrating things because I just feel like life's too short and if you don't celebrate the good things you're just gonna feel crappy all the time so that's me but I also like love birthdays and like love a holiday it's like like a reason to eat food and feel good um okay this is a good one for people who love this book children parents whoever me what are some books or movies or things that you would recommend them to check out or things that pair well, obviously aside from your own work, Mm -hmm. because 
we want them to read all your things. But like, what other things do you think go good with Real Jungle Tales? I mean, the the things that I would recommend would be for a little bit of an older audience. Okay. Um, Ray Bradbury is probably one of my favorite horror writers. Ooh. Something Wicked This Way Comes is an amazing book that inspired a lot of writers, including R.L. Stein, who did Goosebumps. Ooh. Um, of course, Goosebumps is another recommendation. I'm actually a bigger fan than I think I realized of spooky children's horror. Okay. Like that sort of, are you afraid of the dark? Um, you know. So, I know what you're talking about. I hate all that stuff. Oh, great. I hate scary. That doesn't cross the line. <laughs> so weird. You know, those yeah. type of shows. It's like that doesn't cross the line. You know, there's no no blood and gore. But I think that's what makes it so challenging is mm-hmm. that you have to elicit this feeling um, without being able to, to show all of these things mm-hmm. that you know will pr- evoke a response. Sure. So, um, yeah, I would say Goosebumps. I would say anything Ray Bradbury. Um, I can't think of too many, um, you know, Halloween themed picture books that I would that I would recommend. But okay. yeah, I I'm gonna recommend not a book. Okay. Jumanji, the Jumanji original. Is great. I haven't yes. seen the second, so I can't make comments. But like this, I, when I was reading, I totally was having Jumanji vibes. Oh, nice! I didn't even think and about. I love that. Jumanji. That's a good one. That's so funny. You didn't think about it. It is. I love Jumanji too. That's interesting. That's such an interesting idea that you, as an author, could be coming from something in one direction, and that your reader could have like I had such a visceral like Jumanji, <laughs> and like that that didn't even cross your mind is crazy to me because that is like. I'm like, these things are so similar and great and awesome and like Jumanji vibes. Yeah. Um, if you could have one person, dead or alive, read this book, who would you want it to be? Hmm. I mean, and I know this is going to sound very cliche, but I would like Dr. Seuss to read it. Mm. I would seriously like Dr. Because sort of one of my aims and goals and hopes and dreams in my career is to become a doc, the Dr. Seuss of color is to become a household name in children's picture books, you know, or the Stan Lee rest in peace Mm -hmm. of color. You know, Mm -hmm. you see these people who have created these universes Mm -hmm. and these stories that have raised us and have given us so much and so many feelings, you know, and I look around and I can't think of a, you know, Latina woman that is a household name the way Dr. Seuss is. Sure. Or a black man, you know, sure. Or 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 an Asian American. Like I can't think of anybody who's on their level in terms of recognizability. Right. And so for me, he he would be the person I would want to read this. I would love to get his feedback on the structure <laughs> and the narrative that's and so the cool. and the lyrics. I don't think that's cliche at all. Yeah. Also, we need you to do it so that other kids know they could do it. Exactly. We need you to be. We need you to be the leader on this one. Exactly. Um, before we go, I'm just going to ask you since since we didn't talk about it, but are there any children's books that stick out in your mind from your childhood that you loved or actually fuck it let's say and (laughs) any children's books you've come across now as an adult where you've been like yo this is so cool and great like that have inspired you so either things you remember from being a kid or things now so one of the authors that have really inspired me recently is john classen and i hope i'm pronouncing that right i want my hat back um (laughs) is the name of one of his books. It's actually a series, and it is hilarious. Okay. I mean, beautifully simple. Um, all of the books are so funny. Um, Oliver Jeffers is another one. Uh, there's a book called This Is My Moose, okay. and it's a hilarious book about the the illusion of ownership, where basically a kid goes into the wild, discovers a moose, and believes mm. that he owns the moose, mm. and then starts 
trying to tell the moose what to do. Mm-hmm. And the moose is just doing whatever the moose wants to do. And the kid's kind of pretending that the moose is listening to him the whole time. It's a brilliant, brilliant story about ownership. Um, I won't give away the ending because it's great. Okay. Um, but those two, I found that humor is such an underrated quality for connecting. But it can't be, you can't have humor and sacrifice content or right. substance or right. story um, or style or structure. But if you can put humor into your books, you know, everybody likes to be entertained. And did you discover both those books as an adult or do you remember them from being a kid? Um, as an adult. So I study about 600 picture books a year right. as a part of just trying to get to know my craft better and just become better as a, as a provider of services. So, um, yeah, these were two that I came across that I was like, yes, mm. yes. I love that. And are there any from your childhood that you remember? Um, not really? Yeah, quite. I mean, quite a few Dr. Seuss books. Um, I'm trying to think because I've read so many books now in my adult. You don't remember. That, <laughs> you like, I, it's like if, if I read them as kids, I reread them now. Sure. Um, my wife really loves Corduroy. Okay. Uh, that's a huge, huge one for her. I know it's going to come to me as soon as we, we okay. finish talking. You can message but. me. I can always throw things in the show notes after the fact. Okay, cool, cool. Um, I guess I should ask this, but I don't think it really matters. Do you have kids? Not yet. Not <laughs> yet. So planning to start a family. I won't even give a timeline on that because sure. my wife will be listening. And, no, no and, timeline. And they will be yeah beholding me to this time. No, no, no. We have no timeline in our family either. <laughs> don't worry. It's, I just was curious nice. because you write for children. So, yep. it's, you know, you. I think... I think for me in my mind, I think like, oh, children's book writers are people who have children and like mm-hmm. love children or children people. But like yeah. you're kind of still as far as authors go, you're kind of a child. Exactly. Like, I'm <laughs> big child at heart. Um, I'm always reading the kids. I, I love children. I love I love reading to them. I love engaging with them. They're so honest. They're so forthcoming. Um, but and I have so many children in my family. I'm, mm. I'm, I have like four godchildren nice. that I'm the godfather of. Um, but yeah, you know, I don't think that's, you know. You don't Necessary. need to have kids to be a pediatrician. Right. Know, That's like, true. It's... That's true. Okay. Here's my last question for you. What would you like readers of Real Jungle Tales mm-hmm. to take away from the book, if anything? Um, I would like them to take away the, the the honesty and sincerity of it. I think Z, the main character, her ingenuity and creativity, you know, even if the methods aren't all the way <laughs> – champion she's sort of my dennis the menace of my universe so mm-hmm. you know she's gonna be that lovable rascal but she is gonna be a rascal mm-hmm. so i would i would like them to take away the ingenuity the the sincerity from it and and just have a good time mm-hmm. you know just have a genuinely good time i love that okay the book is real jungle tales our guest today, the author, is Jesse Bird. This has been really fun. I will link to everything we talked about today in the show notes. Um, and it is holiday season, and I'm sure some of you know some lovely little girls and boys who need a book about Halloween to look at some candy pictures. <laughs> Obviously, I don't know if people associate Halloween with Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever you celebrate, Kwanzaa, nothing. But it's a good book for kids. It's fun. It's exciting. Um we're so glad that you can make it on the show. And I guess I'll let you have the last word. Anything you want to say? I mean, for the most part, just see your dreams as a public service. I mean, I talk about this all the time when I'm in front of kids. But, like, if you can imagine if Michael Jackson didn't sing, you know, mm. if Mike didn't play hoop, how many people would be left uninspired? So mm. please see your dreams as a larger service to a community and chase them honestly. Well, I'm going to cry now. That's really good. <laughs> 
All right. Thank you so much for being here, Jesse. And thank you guys for listening. And we will see you in the stacks. Thank you for listening to The Short Stacks. Thank you to Jesse Bird. You can get a copy of Real Jungle Tales at jessiebcreative.com or on Amazon. Remember, to be a part of making this show a reality, go to patreon.com slash the stacks. Make sure you're subscribed to The Stacks wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening through iTunes, take a moment to rate and review the show. Our graphic designer is Robin McCright, and our theme music is from Tagiragis. This episode of The Short Stacks was created and produced by me, Tracy Thomas.